This is Arshia Tekun. I'm your host here with my co-host for this episode, Sen Atasiulua. And this is Indigenous Words and Ideas, Why? And in this episode, we wanted to pick up a little bit, having given a background in the last episode on critical Tongan studies and some of the stuff that's been written and, and talked about, about Tonga and, and then Tongans themselves, uh, we wanted to take this episode, just focus a little bit on what Ata's currently doing. Now, we're going to be generous with Ata because we know that uh, he's uh, just in the early stages of his um, ethnographic work, meaning he's living in Tonga and he came back to have a short visit here in Aotearoa. And so he's going to have many more insights as he finishes his, his time in Tonga and he's also going to think more and write more. And so it's going to change in time, but we just wanted to kind of introduce some of these ideas because they're really, I think, interesting and important and relevant. And this is an example of how understanding stuff from Tongan perspectives can be helpful in understanding other issues around the world that affect people in their everyday life. Family. The idea of family. Who doesn't have a family? Who has a family? What does family mean? How is family defined? And this is something that has come to be used in our mainstream politics and mainstream culture with a lot of assumptions of what that definition is. And so just to begin, we'll turn it over to, to Atta and have you uh, maybe just talk a little bit about why you wanted to study this, a little bit about your learning journey of how you got there, and kind of some early insights of thinking, of questioning critically what family means. Hello, Daniel. Yeah, so, um, yeah, coming to, or even deciding to come to Aotearoa to pursue a, a degree, a PhD, I had a lot of ideas of topics, and Daniel knows this, about what I wanted to look at. And I knew that I wanted to be in Aotearoa, closer to Tonga, um, and I knew I wanted to center my, um, my research some, some, somewhere around like Tongan identity, Tongan history, things like that. So um, when I was thinking about my own identity, my own lived experiences, having grown up in, um, in the States, um, and being Tongan, this idea of Angafakatonga, or this idea of, of uh, Tonganness, Tongan identity, Two of the really the important things in my life of, of, of being Tongan and living Tongan um, was, number one was really my family. Family is very central uh, within Tongan culture, uh, the family, um, which is a, just a transliteration of the word family, um, but also the kainga. What is transliteration? So transliteration meaning that Tongans, Tongans are infamous for this, and I, I tell everybody, Tongans are, well, my first joke about Tongans is we have the softest T's in Tongan. In, in, in Oceania, so my name is Ata, not Ata, like if for, for Samoan. And my second joke is Tongans are also, uh, we're number one for transliteration. So um, taking an English word and just pronouncing it within, in, in a Tongan, in a Tongan um, pronunciation, I guess. So Tongan <laughs> is family and a lot of, plenty, if you're Tongan, you know, plenty of words that Tongan use in, use in the Tongan language that are just merely um, transliterations, like, Kalatua, culture, Hisitoria, history, Sione is just, you can, you can pull out the John out of Sione because my first name is Sione, but I go by Ata, so Sione. So it's just a Tongan pronunciation. Sione is just a transliteration of, uh, of the English name, John. So um, family was really central to kind of like, oh, this is something I want to talk about. What about family and relationships? in Kainga is makes it is so central to for me to Tongan culture and not only family 
it was also it was family and then also music because music was also a big part of my life growing up the life of you know growing up with my parents my cousins in church um, music was very both family and music was central we sang as a family we made music as a family we experienced music as a family so music was kind of another another take that I wanted wanted to um, to look at in my research so yeah music and family so you know when I first started my research a lot of it was you know family oh me and my parents and how we practice music but then I realized that family is very the idea of family the notion of family within a tongue and uh, within a tongue and perspective is very different from this idea of the English word family um, in the States specifically because family is really tied to this idea of the nuclear family the nuclear family being the parents and the children where for Tongans for me it was never just about my parents and my my siblings but it was always about the Kainga so in Tongan Kainga meaning the extended family so Futahelu um, has a has um, some research about the reason why Tongans use family as the word for family is because um, we didn't have that of of the construct of the family being just parents uh, or just just the parents and the and the children, but it's kind of this broader network of the family clan. So um, and then we we also see this within context in the states and even Aotearoa where people are constantly questioning our our notions and our ideas of family, saying asking or saying things like you think you're related to everybody, you think everybody is our cousin, but if you really really look at kind of the social organization of Tonga, and even throughout the even throughout Oceania, you will find that it's it's a true statement because if I am in a place where there's no other where there, where there's no where there's not a lot of Tongans and I see another Tongan, you know, we are we're automatically cousins whether we are actually cousins or um, because we're the only two Tongans there, uh, we we we're just automatically cousins. So just really looking at these ideas of family within my research through music. Um, it's kind of the take that I'm, I'm looking at. So, oh, really interesting stuff. One of the things that you mentioned, I think, is important. Kind of to, that I wanted to just re reiterate is that you talked about how you, there wasn't a concept for family as it's assumed within the modern English kind of society, and so it was transliterated to family. Yeah. And so, to thinking about the episode with Tefainoa, and he's talking about indigenous <laughs> linguistics, yeah. right? Words carry ideas. Yeah. And so, you think about that. What are the words that we use and the words that we don't use? And you talked about in the last episode as well, looking at these old dictionaries. I remember when I was, now I don't speak Tongan fluently, I'm still studying it. I love the language, I'm still trying to learn it uh, more and more, but when I was taking classes here at the university or auditing some of the classes, I remember I was trying to look for all the uh, indigenous words in my <laughs> mind, right? Yeah. Because I was like, I wanted to express those concepts. And I remember one of the things that I came across was I was trying to say the word hoa and use it instead of mali, right? <laughs> so in Tongan, mali is a transliteration of marry or marriage, <laughs> like marriage and to be married. So if somebody would say to me, and I learned this word in the Faikava. So <laughs> one of my early Faikava stories, one of the questions I've asked, like, oh, you know, Osi Mali? <laughs> Come sit next to the Tongan. So that's not a story, not an episode, not a time. <laughs> but, but that's where I began to realize, oh, Mali carries with it the meaning of this modern monogamous marriage that was brought over by uh, English missionaries, a lot coming from the London Missionary Society of the Victorian era in <laughs> England, which again, if we look at English history, 
This is a radically different transformation to kinship anciently in the British Isles or even across Europe. And so the Victorian idea and these so-called kind of modern ideas are new, right, in the span of human history. But when that idea shows up in Tonga, then, and then eventually when that gets adopted, um, in the long run, fast forwarding to today, it carries with it those same ideas and there's still these maybe tensions or conflicts, whether people realize it or not, whether they talk about it or not, that are still there on well, what's the difference between family and, and kainga. And in the case of the example I gave, what's the difference between Mali and Hoa? And <laughs> exactly. the reason I wanted to say Hoa was because in, in Te Reo Māori, like you can say, you know, tino pai e Hoa, you know, good job, yeah. you know, and Hoa, it, isn't, it could be your married partner, it could be my wife, could be somebody's husband, but it could also mean your companion or your partner or your friend, right? (laughs) So it didn't necessarily mean only one thing. It depended on the context. And when I tried to say hoa, it was like, (laughs) oh, that doesn't make sense. And I was like, well, wait a minute. So hoa is still used in Tongan, but it's not necessarily used as much as it used to be. It was my impression to represent your partner in life. Yeah, um, because Mali has come in to replace that. And then this is, for me, in my opinion, this is the reason why we we see you know languages languages throughout um, Oceania as as foreign to each other. You know, oh, Te Reo is different from Tongan, which is different from Samoan, which is different from Oleo Hawaii, because you know our words have been translated through colonization through imperialism um, differently. And so this this is a very this is a good example when we're talking about hua when we're talking about family when we're talking about kainga, because you know when we have missionaries or explorers colonizers whatever you want to call them going throughout these different places you invaders know, <laughs> invaders uh, you know Tonga was Britain Samoa was was uh, was Germany Hawaii was America, you know we have a very different translation from you know the indigenous language to to English. So in Tongan, the word for family, family is family. In Samoan, the word for family is ainga. It's, it's, both, it's, it's both used for the nuclear family, so your parents and your siblings, but it's also used for the, the extended family clan. And then, you know, in Tongan, it's kainga as well, except now we're using it for the family clan, um, your relatives and not so much your family. Then we move to, um, we move to Aotearoa, where kainga is the word for home. But it's not this idea of, in Tongan, home is api, the, the actual place of the home. It's kind of this feeling of home. So you break down the word, it's gai, it's I to eat, and then nga, you put it, put it together. It's a place of, of, of nourishment. So for Tongans, kainga, for Samoans, kainga is, you know, family. For, for Maori, kainga is home. And then we move up to um, Kanaka Maori, um, and the word there, the, the word there is aina. And then now with um, Mauna, Mauna Kea and you know a lot of the things that are going over there, we a lot a lot we hear um, aloha aina. Aina is the word that they use for for land, so the love of the land. But for me, I've just through the the reading and for the people that I've been talking about, aina is different from you know in in Tongan it's fonua. I think in Hawaiian it's also they also have a word like honua. Honu. In um in Maori it's fenua. It's you know aina is different from honua. Aina is kind of this this symbol of life. Because throughout all of these places, I don't know about Hawaii, but in Tonga, in, in um, Aotearoa, I think in, in Samoa as well, you know, Fonoa is the placenta, 
And a lot of these ideas are coming from Devita Kaili and Okusimahina uh, Hufanga, um, talking about we come from the Fonua, the placenta of our mothers, born into the Fonua, and then we go back to the Fonua. Mm -hmm. So now you can kind of see that our relationship with the land is, is that we are the land because we come from the land and we eat from the land. And so it's, it's, it's a beautiful metaphor and symbolisms of uh, the Kanaka Maori of using aina, kainga, aina, as, as kind of this word, for, um, this word for land. And so I'm, getting out, I'm going off on a tangent, but looking at the, the, the word for family. So um, in, in Aotearoa, the word for family is whānau. Tongan, we have whānau as well. Um, we use it for children. But if you look at the old dictionaries in the 1800s, the first word that comes up when you look up family is also whānau. Mm. We go to, um, and then we go to um, Samoa, Ainga, then we go to um, Hawaii, and now we have Ohana. You know, in Tongan, Ohana is an old word connected to marriage, specifically towards a wife. In Samoan, the word is Avanga, and then now in um, Aotearoa, the word Ohanga, Ohana is Kohanga, which um, throughout, throughout Pacific, not just within a lot of these places I've been mentioning, the word ohana means nest. So in, in um, Aotearoa, they use kohanga, something with, with schooling for their children. Oh, kohanga reo. Kohanga reo is where they teach their, their young children. Yeah, the language nest. The language yeah, nest. Yeah. And so now you can kind of see the metaphor and the symbolisms, where for me, a lot of our languages are very, very connected, just separated through colonization and translation into English. So. And, and all those that you mentioned there too, right, like are coming from the Eastern Pacific, right? Mm, yes. So, so-called Polynesia, um, and they're very closely related. And, and I would say, like, I think there's an awesome connections that you're making there. And thinking about also in this kind of a thinking about Oceania, like, I imagine you're going to find those similar concepts, even if they sound differently. So you give examples because those words are so closely related. But, pro but in other parts of, you know, so-called Micronesia or, uh, Macronesia <laughs> slash Melanesia, you're going to have, I, I imagine, similar concepts, yeah, although maybe the, because the language is different, it's harder to see it mm. um, as directly, but similar concepts in regards to organizing around family. And one of the things that you're saying makes me think as well, right, like that the word family in English that has become family is anthropocentric, <laughs> meaning anthro or anthropos, like of people, human. So anthropology is the study of humans and study of people anthropocentric, if you remember our word ethnocentric, right, when you, you're making judgments of the world based off of your ethnicity, your culture, anthropocentric is making judgments of the world or understanding the world only through people and humans. <laughs> exactly. And from an indigenous perspective, it's, it's obviously just in the language, you can see that there's a different cultural worldview that includes land, ocean, and other entities as part of the family, which makes me think a lot about other indigenous cultures across the Americas. For the, in the Mayan calendar, for example, we have Nahuales, or in English sometimes it's interpreted as totems, that are embodied in animal guardians, <laughs> right? And so if you belong to that animal clan, then that is part of who you are. Uh, on one of my lineages, you know, my on my my paternal grandfather's mother is. Her last name was Sunun, which is, means hummingbird. We came from the hummingbird <laughs> people. Means we were often used in our poetry synonymously with the hummingbird on that particular line. And then there's other examples across, yeah. but I think that there's a lot of similarities 
in the context of Tonga, if we think about that indigenous relationship <laughs> to land where animals, um, natural places were also considered intimate relationships yeah, yeah. like family, like unto family, which is a very different way of <laughs> thinking about family yeah. than just people-centered. You know, the, the last time we spoke, we talked about critical Tongan studies and really looking at study of Tonga critically. And so now we're talking about family and kinship. And now within the last five years, you know, we have a lot of scholars writing about critical kinship studies um, and looking beyond kind of this human centric, just like we've been talking about, this human centric understanding of our relationships that we have to each other, also being connected to our relationship that we have with the land, with the language, with um, just with, with everything. Um, and so what critical kinship is doing is really, is, is doing that exactly, is really getting rid of these human-centered ideas surrounding what is family and how do we relate to each other. When what we need to be doing is kind of getting rid of, getting, getting rid of ourselves as a center. So we're not the center of the universe, but we all are. We all, kind of this idea of we're not, we ourselves are not the center of the universe. We're the center of our own universes. Which, um, but we're not kind of, humans aren't the number one, but we're kind of the number ones of number ones of a connected universe, I guess. And I know I'm getting a little bit uh, theoretical, but we need to understand the, the relationship that, that we have through each other um, beyond kind of, and I know we've been talking about uh, this a lot, but centering ourselves within, within how we view the world, which is important, but we also have to be critical that we're not the center you know, it's just, I don't know. Getting... So it's like we are individuals, and yeah. it's not to take away that, yeah. but to be aware that we are one individual yeah. in a massive connected web of life. Definitely. And so, of course, you know, we have our own understandings and experiences, and we see things in the way that we do, but understanding that we have different views and perspectives of even the same objects in the same spaces, in the same experiences, I mean... Even in my family, we have the same thing. Uh, you know, I think Tongans are got a little bit larger families than we do, but we got pretty big families too. Yeah. And one thing I realized when I do like my genealogy work with with family is, people got different stories to the same event. Yeah. Right. And so they were all there at the same time, same place, but they understood it very differently. <laughs> and so that doesn't mean that their individual version or experience is invalid. It's just we have to take it into consideration with the many others that Definitely. are also there and it shouldn't come in to supersede or erase all others. Definitely. And when we think about family, maybe that's a thing too, right? Is that sometimes we have this, this Victorian idea of what the family means that has been imposed through nationalism, through, I mean, maybe, through, maybe talk about that. Like, how is it imposed in total? Yeah, yeah. And so what people don't, don't really think about, especially in my research, is that the idea of the nuclear family, the idea of family, was used as a tool of empire, of colonization. And I know we still need to kind of break down Tonga being colonized, but if you, if you, if you really look at the, the nuclear family, the nuclear family was used by the British Empire and by empires in general to disrupt communal cultures, throughout, to communal indigenous cultures throughout the world. Because if you come to Tonga, you have the Kainga, you have this complex social organization of the Kainga, of the Ha'a, of the Fahu, then, um, and then you introduce the family, parents and children, the man is the head of the household, you introduce Christianity, 
these are there to disrupt to disrupt these communal cultures and once you disrupt these communal cultures you separate them then it's kind of easier to kind of impose your own ideas within that culture and now you have a nation state of Tonga now you have a monarchy now you have parliament um, and now you know international debt international debt and all kinds of other uh, capitalism where capitalism isn't really working in Tonga you know, you go to Thon, you go to you go to town, and most of the businesses aren't even Tongan owned. Um, and so, so it's working for some people. Yeah, it's working for some people. But it may not be working it, for Tongans. Exactly. <laughs> but now, now it gets really messes when we're talking about like Tongan owned or like oh no, because these are the same issues that we find in in New Zealand, um, the same issues that we find in the states. Yeah, it all just gets really messy. But family for me is really disrupting these community these community cultures where now we have these ideas of of patriarchy where now the man is 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 the the head of the house the man has the priesthood and god is god is a man and god is white and god is this and god is that and so it's just there's so many different impacts that it has to these indigenous cultures and we which is very prevalent today you you read uh you read the old you read the old accounts of the tongan family and these are very loving um, loving relationships that they have. The women, the women aren't dependent on their husbands because they have their brothers, they have their kaina. Mm. And so now, in this modern age, we have so many different social issues that we're dealing with, with alcoholism and abuse, sexual abuse, domestic, domestic abuse, gangs. And we all, and for us to really look at it critically, tongue in critical studies, critical kinship studies, we have to look at colonization. We have to look at Western modernity. And I know these are like very broad terms. We we have to look at the history in order to understand these social issues that we we're facing, because we're just going to continue to to um, being being bombarded by um, you know the issue, the social issues that we have with young people and Donga. It's fights with with boys. Atele Lihona. Everybody knows the rivalries. You know, teen uh, teen pregnancies and all these different things. For me, it's really looking at kind of our history as Tongans critically to understand how to address these, how to how to find solutions to to really work work within our mm -hmm. communities. So. A lot of really interesting points there. Um, before I respond to them, I just, for the listeners out there who are concerned about Ata's soul, do not worry. I'm going to take him to church on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to church on Sunday. Great, <laughs> Lynn. Um, but you're making some really interesting points here because on one hand you have this claim that the problem in society is people don't have family, right? In the U.S., for example, yeah. mainstream politics in the U.S., they use this to attack racial minorities all the time in the mainstream politics of, oh, the problem with so-and-so community or so-and-so community is the family has broken down. But what you're doing is you're saying, oh, wait a minute, actually that definition of family has actually broken down community. Yeah. Because obviously, people don't feel a sense of belonging. They feel alienated. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing the social ills that you're talking about. People do those things for a reason. Yeah. We can condemn it or critique it or whatever. People have to agree with it. But the reality is that they, they take place and people do it. But why do they do it? Right? Obviously, there's not a belonging. And they're yeah. trying to find some sense of belonging in the escape through alcoholism. That's something familiar with me and my family line as well. Like, you know, that's what you do. When you're depressed, you go and you find something to help you feel good in the moment. And it's only a momentarily thing. But the problem is some of these issues are big, right? These are big structures and issues. Economically, one of the things that you make me think about as well is, you know, as you're talking about how 
family or the definition of family if it's imposed on other people and say hey this is the only definition and everybody can use it it's uh, it's a very destructive way and it's a way of dividing and conquering within exactly. so divide and conquer people always think about like the obvious differences between groups of people but this is the divide and conquer within people who identify the same type of people <laughs> and you know for for my family like we grew up working class you know, struggling and all, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff and in context, right, with, within where I grew up in Rose Park. And, but I think about my family, my extended family, our Kainga, or, or in Maya we would say Hawinak, our communal family network is what, is what our strength was. That's how I survived. I wouldn't have my degrees today if it wasn't for that larger community support. Because that is where I saw the, the most value. And they all helped me out. Sometimes with money, sometimes without money. But they were all there to help me out. And if you disrupt that and you divide us up and separate us, and we now become dependent on a capitalist economic system because we're now individuals that need to go earn individual wages for myself and my nuclear family only if I'm the, the so-called breadwinner, and I no longer have that communal support or the commons, if you will, <laughs> of access to a different type of economy, you, that's a, a major power play. And one of the ways in which, there's many ways in which Tonga is colonized, but economically that's one we can look at. Yeah. And economically through disrupting family wealth because <laughs> of this individualistic now individualistic yeah. I think is different than individual yeah. individual is an, an important part of a larger community individualistic is an ego-centered self-centered yeah. um, approach to the world which is forced upon us through this new wage system exactly. that I think you know I mentioned something the Kefu in the last episode one of the things that he talked about that missionaries complained about was two that I remember one was the the night the the the, the dancing at night because the, everyone would go out dance at night and let's just say uh, the Victorian uh, marriage vows had not been made and things were a little bit more open and flexible yeah. if you wanted to have a good time in an intimate sense yeah. um, so that was one complaint the other was they were sleeping at church because they had been out all night dancing yeah. right they weren't complaining about kava then right? it was about the dances <laughs> kava was another complaint so we'll get into but then the other one was that there was an accusation by different missionaries that said Tongans were lazy. And I thought, how are they making this accusation? Because they would make that accusation at the same time that they were talking about how Tongans were lazy because they didn't want to exploit the land further because they had enough. And this is talking common folks too, like enough to survive and also meet their tribute demands to their chief or to other chiefs. Mm -hmm. So it's not to say that there wasn't hierarchy and power dynamics there, of course there were, but the common folks were eating. Yeah, yeah. And th th these guys were like, wait a minute, you guys should take more out of the land, <laughs> right? And there's this idea of, that's why they were saying lazy. And it's like, well, wait a minute. No, it's because they were investing in other stuff. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you want to shift maybe to Tevita Kaili's work, because he talks about Tauhivaha or Tauhiva, the art of social-spatial relationship making, as the place that people are investing their time and so if if you if you have enough to live off of yeah the investment was not in exploiting the land further but in social relationships yeah definitely and again it's not to say that those social relationships are perfect we're human beings they're complicated but 
that there that there was other things that were valued in the same way that my family and the culture that I come from valued family in the way that got us through I see the same thing with the kainga economically spiritually emotionally a bigger sense of belonging um, that that people had uh, in in that sense so I don't, maybe talk about uh, Tabitha Kaili's work around and how you've used because I know you're using a lot of his work to think about yeah, Tongan indigeneity definitely, definitely. and thinking about uh, kinship and and maybe even expanding it outside of just even biological kin. Yeah, definitely. So with David Gaili's, uh, David Gaili, he has a really, really good book that was published in 2017, marking indigeneity. So he's what, what he's really looking at is his work in Maui with the, the Tongan communities there, and so he's really using Tauhi Baha or Tauhi one of the Tongan values, as kind of a as as a theory of understanding. Tongan uh, identity and Tongan indigeneity, um, and he look he looks at it through uh, the theory of tava okusimahina uh, hufanga. Really, what what my research is centered on is this idea of Tongan indigeneity, this idea of uh, of being Tongan beyond kind of Western ideas, if, if that makes any sense. And so I've been looking at um, Devita Kaili's work along with a lot of other. Um, scholars throughout Oceania and non-Oceanian scholars as well to really look at this I look look at theorizing this idea of Tongan indigeneity and what Davita Kaili looks at is really Tongan indigeneity is really this arrangement of this Moanan arrangement he doesn't even use Tongan this Moanan Moanan um, arrangement of 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 time and space so first is really the the indigeneity of Tongans is really based this idea of of an Oceanian or Moanan um, arrangement of time and space, so da and ba, da being da being a metaphor for time, so the the rhythm, and and ba being the space or the space in between, uh, the 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 space in between. The secondly, um, what Davita Kaili, and this is kind of how I see it. Um, he might be he might disagree, but um, the second thing was ancient knowledge. So we're really looking at Tongan knowledge, looking at the, the mythologies, the Pananga, of understanding who we are as Tongans, who we are as Moanans, because he's been using Moanan. And the third is, is mobilities. So understanding the mobilities of Tongans in Tonga and the mobilities that we are having then and we're having now. So Devita Kaili is working at BYU Hawaii, working in Kahuku, so his, a lot of his work is really, really involved with uh, the Kanaka Maoli of that area. Um, so looking at his mobilities as a Tongan living in um, living in Hawaii and kind of the he all a lot of his work he looks at the ancient relationship that ancient relationships that Hawaiians or Kanaka Maoli had with Tongans um, back in the day with Lo'al and, 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 and all these things. So that's kind of really how I'm framing uh, framing my my research in Tongan indigeneity, framing the family. Is looking at the family as a Moanan arrangement of time and space, Ta and Ba. Um, looking at the time of family, Kainga. Looking at the space, the ancient knowledges of Kainga, of um, of family, of the Ha, of the clans, of the Tuitonga and, and the royal line. And then lastly, looking at mobilities. You know, ancient mobilities of family and Kainga um, in Tonga, and then also the mobilities that we're having today. You know, we see now we see more Tongans living outside of Tonga and inside of Tonga, and how do we and, and how are Tongans living outside of the homeland? Um, how are they nurturing the relationships that they have with 
the family that they have in the homeland and how are they nurturing the relationships they have outside of Dolan kind of creating their own new identity of being Tongan or being indigenous outside of their homeland. Yeah. No, awesome. I think that's one of the things that was awesome in my research too was to see how Tongans have become so much more, right? They're, they're Tongan, but they're also Maori. <laughs> they're also Niwei and they're yeah. also... Uh, Cook Islander, they're also Samoan, they're also Fijian, they're also Mexican, they're also Mayan, <laughs> they're also Kiowa and Lakota and Diné and African American. I mean, I've met Tongans that are all those other things as well. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing that's interesting, right, in thinking about this indigenous idea that's around, you know, around, you know, the social spatial relationships of Tauhiva or Tauhiva and how that is expanding beyond <laughs> the original kind of uh, biological kinship to kinship-like relationships yeah. in many other cases. And people who I consider, like Tokua, you're one of the bros, you know, and other people too that are part of my kainga, even though we don't have biological ties, or, or the homies that have become part of uh, my kainga, intimate relationships that are kin-like. Yeah, yeah. You know, people who come in and, it can open up the fridge and grab whatever and, and will also cook and, yeah, yeah. you know, and people that are like family, like unto family. Yeah. And I think that's an important way of kind of broadening um, the way we think about family. And then also, again, not to forget our relationships with the land, our relationships with local indigenous people, yeah, yeah, yeah. our relationship with, you know, animals and other species and even the past and, you know, and, and our histories and, and that complex uh, arrangement. But to kind of begin, just maybe let's wrap it up, but maybe just have some comments on music because we haven't talked about it yet. But music is the performance, the symbol, the sign in which you're exploring yeah, yeah, how definitely. family is arranged. Because another way of thinking about family that is very uh, prominent thing in a lot of communities today is the if you're Mormon, the ward family. If you're <laughs> Christian, your congregational family. Yeah. Right, and because people sing together and have these positive emotions that are stirred through singing, that that creates a, a new kind of bond and experience. Right, music is very powerful. Yeah, and music it can be very powerful for many things, and you can use music as propaganda <laughs> for a nationalist identity. You can yeah, also yeah. use music to colonize. Yeah, yeah. But you can also use music to liberate. Yeah. You can also use music to relate. Yeah. And so definitely. maybe some thoughts on on music. And how you see that connected as you continue on your research and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, just for me, music has been such, has played such a big impact on my life and on my family's life. And so that's why I wanted to use music as kind of this vessel to understand the family. So how, how that is done is I'll be working with families, listening, um, work, you know, it's an ethnography, indigenous ethnography of of when do they listen to music? Where do they listen to music? Why do they listen to music? What music do they listen to? with each other, without each other, and why. And so in, in Tongan culture, there, there aren't very many spaces that you, that you won't find some type of music that, that is part of the ritual or the protocol. You know, church, birthdays, you know, Mate Matona is a, a perfect example of like, people knew that, knew the hymns, people noticed the hymns that were being sung by both the crowd throughout the entire game um, before and after the game, and also the players. So there's uh, there's this relationship that Tongans have with music that really 
allows for a tongue-in-ness to be expressed. And so that's kind of where I'm, I'm wanting to focus my, my research is what does the music of the family and of the individual, individuals of, of the family tell us about the social structure, tell us about family dynamics, tell us about relationalities, tell us about gender, and, um, and, really, using, and really using music to, um, to better understand the family, the family, really outside of these ideas of the nuclear family. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Um, Malo Alpito and Ofat.